No. Oh, there we go. Okay. <clears throat> well, today um, I have an interesting topic. Um, I'm going to talk about depression. So I'm hoping that I can talk about depression and not be depressing. Um, this does remind me about the uh, dyslexic uh, agnostic became quite depressed. Poor guy stayed up all night wondering if there was a dog. Okay. Yes. I have. Don't worry, I have more. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna be good. I mean, I want you to realize, I I didn't want to distract you guys, particularly in the front row, with my legs today, so they're covered. <laughs> Uh-huh, uh-huh, and uh, I can hang here, we have, uh, okay, my mouse isn't working on a clear table, we have uh, like a notebook or something I can put under here, oh look at that. It's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> of course, I'm I'm also struggling because I have two pair of glasses, one that I work with on the computer. But if I had that on, I couldn't see you. So I I have the CU glasses and not to see the computer glasses. So uh <laughs> Why I'm not sure. Life is just tough, you know. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be good. Uh, and they're both bifocals, by the way. Uh, just uh, there we go. Okay. All right. So, depression. Um, I'm glad to see that today we have both groups of people that are most commonly impacted by depression. Those that are under 40, and those that are over 40. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it, is, it is tough dealing with it. Um, you know, people that are depressed uh, usually feel worthless and alone. Uh, but a lot of times you don't know they're depressed because they all tend to say, I'm fine. And then... Some people have personalities that never seem depressed. You know, they're outgoing, they're bubbly, they're um, the eyes. The okay, so so you guys, you guys haven't taken personality tests that much. Older guys, you know, the disc profile, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, eyes. So anyway, so anyway, the uh, the. Uh, you know, some people just have personalities that don't seem depressed ever. Other people have 
personalities that always seem depressed, but maybe they're not. You know? <laughs> uh, so you can't always tell by just looking at somebody or talking to them. You know? um, so also, uh, you know, so depression is a medical condition, and there's a fancy medical definition of it. Um, so depression, specifically major depressive disorder, A, it's a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, how you act. Fortunately, it is also treatable. Depression causes feelings of sadness and or loss of interest in activities you once enjoyed. It can lead to a variety of emotional, physical problems can decrease your ability to function at work and at home. I just want to let you know that I can copy things from the internet with the best of them. <laughs> so, I have a few more of those here, you know. There's types of depression. I added in a couple of my own. You know, the one they never put up there is just plain old sadness and grief. You know, that is, has anybody ever been sad? Is anybody here an Ohio State fan? <laughs> Enough of that. Uh, <laughs> but there's, there's different types of depression. There's a lot of fancy medical things about that. Um, the thing about depression, though, is that it is very complex. It is not something that can be defined with simply medical um, definitions. Not that I'm saying that they're wrong, okay? Um, but it's not one thing. I believe that every time someone is depressed, that it is at least three or four, if not all, of these items. It is biological, okay? Um, it can be hereditary. It can, um, it's psychological. And your brain is affected. I mean, bottom line, they, they call it mental illness, which basically means there's something your brain sick, right? Right? It's interpersonal. There's a relational disease. It affects how you deal with other people and with yourself. It's a social thing. You know, a lot of times people with depression aren't able to function in society or in, in groups. Culturally, different cultures affect differently. And I'm going to talk about the church culture a little bit. But I believe that it's always psychological and that it's always spiritual. Always. Because we are created in the image of God, Right? Triune, I think that means three, but it sounds fancy, right? So we got the body, the soul, and the spirit. And the soul is also triune, mind, will, and emotions. Depression attacks the emotions. The emotions are overwhelmed, but it affects your will, your ability to fight it back. It affects your mind with lies, it affects your spirit and your body. Um, some of the symptoms of uh, depression, of course, feeling sad, 
I mean, that's almost the definition of depression, right? I'm sad. Uh, loss of interest in things you used to enjoy. <laughs> Although I'm a Cowboys fan, and they've basically done that to me over the past <laughs> years, right? Uh, <clears throat> changes in appetite. Now, I have never, ever been able to get one of these that affect me to lose weight. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I would necessarily find that that depressing. But, uh, you know, okay. <laughs> Trouble sleeping or sleeping too much. I, I remember my father in his late years. Um, he'd sleep 20 hours a day. break my heart but I mean you know he's 90 94 95 at that time and um, this one's really common is loss of energy and fatigue that goes along with it uh, next one uh, purposeless I, I don't even that's fancy stuff but you know a lot of people get in there and they start fidgeting and they start doing almost involuntary motions and stuff. This one, I think, is common across the board, is that feeling of worthlessness and guilt. It gets to the point of difficulty thinking, um, concentrating, making decisions, and then when you get to that top-level depression, thoughts of death and suicide. Again, you know that According to these statistics, and I, I believe what Mark Twain, how he defines statistics, he said that there are three types of lies, little white lies, big old lies, and statistics. Uh, <laughs> but uh, according to yeah, those things, uh, the number 10 over cause of death in the United States is suicide. Right now, in 2017, I did a little bit of math, that means Every five minutes, somebody's committing suicide in this country. Every five minutes. Before today's over, depending how long we did I get, there, there's going to be deaths from people taking their own life. The uh, suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people. Young people don't die as often as old people. Old people are old. They die because they're old. But young people, um, so many less deaths if they didn't take their own life. And I think those statistics are underreported dramatically um, because they don't, the number three cause of death in the country is accidents. How many accidents are actually suicide? I don't know. I don't know. What's the difference? Well, how somebody counts it, you know? Um, there's, um, and the thing is, I mean, su I have one thing to say about suicide. It is, I heard this and repeated it many times, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem, okay? Um, but Depression has a lot of other consequences besides suicide. 
Um, and then in the church, we have a lot of depressed people. <laughs> it's not just something you walk in the church and, ah, no more. Church doesn't do it. In fact, I think that sometimes the church makes it harder. And you, you walk in and you feel like people are saying, you're just weak. By the way, I had a hard time figuring out if that's E-E -E or E-A. Is that E-A right? Is that the right one? Okay. All right, good. See? <laughs> so you're weak. Snap out of it. I've said that before. You're guilty, sinners. You know, you're just a bad Christian. I don't really know how to deal or want to deal with that person. And by the way, your problem is. Uh, and here's the thing. Even if the church isn't saying that, the depressed person thinks they're saying it or feels that, okay? Um, so after all that intro, I kind of thought we could uh, try to bring up somebody who's an uh, expert on that. Can we uh, see if we, that video will play? Yeah, it's... So, anyway, this guy is a, uh, he's a Christian counselor, and I thought it'd be good to get a professional insight. Um, psychophysiological disorder. It has spiritual components because anything that affects us physically and cognitively affects us spiritually. It has emotional components and there's a physical element. We often attach a stigma or people who struggle with this disorder attach a stigma to themselves because they don't fully understand it, especially Christians. Christians feel as if they have to do something, they're not praying enough, that God, they're, they're distant from God and he's not hearing their prayers. I wonder if Christians who suffer from diabetes would feel this way. You know, in diabetes, the pancreas doesn't manufacture and secrete insulin and they take it externally. The brain is an organ. It's the most sophisticated organ in the body. So here's what I want to encourage you for those of you who may struggle with depression and anxiety. Your brain needs to be addressed. Your spiritual component needs to be addressed. And your relationships need to be addressed. And so I want you to no longer feel that you must work harder at being a better Christian. There is no such thing as being a better Christian. And just because you're depressed or you're anxious, it really doesn't 
make you any different than someone who has to wear glasses because their vision is impaired. One of the things that we often do is we attach this spiritual weakness with the fact that we need to be on medication. Now, let me give you a caveat. We are an over-medicated society, and primary care physicians today will talk with the latest drug rep who comes into their office, and antidepressant medication as well as anxiolytic medication is very specific, and you need a trained clinician to help you get on the right one. So with that caveat out of the way, let me speak to you. Medication is not a sign of weakness. Medication after 33 years of clinical practice is one of the most merciful things that we can do to people who struggle with depression and or anxiety. And so too often in the church, we look down our nose at people and we operate from this position of self-righteousness and all that is, my friend, is a form of legalism which will not help anybody who struggles with a disorder they can't control. So if you are the person who is struggling with one of these disorders, or if you are a helper and know someone who is struggling, be merciful. Encourage them to go seek the right person for the right help. Go with them if necessary. But do not allow them to attach a stigma to themselves, and certainly don't do that to them either. So um, it's almost like, okay, thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll, uh, so I, I guess, uh, why did I give that introduction? I deal with depression. I've dealt with depression for, for a long time. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I... So, by, by, by the way, I, I couldn't let you not see my legs at all, so. Uh, <laughs> um, it's embarrassing. I'm embarrassed by it. I feel, you know, I feel inadequate, you know. Um, about 20 years ago now, I had a major depression, and uh, I didn't attempt to commit suicide, but I definitely thought about it a lot. And I went with my wife to see the doctor, and I got on an antidepressant, and they weren't happy pills. They didn't make me happy, but they did help. I also went through some talk therapy um, and um, got better. However, I still struggle. I still struggle regularly with being depressed, you know. And um, it's hard to share with people. But about a month ago, a friend of mine from out of state called me. And immediately I know this man was severely depressed. And I shared with him, he says, you know, I'm on antidepressant. He goes, what? So I, I want my testimony to be hope. You know, um, it, is, it is a tough thing, you know, to deal with depression. It's, um, I am, 
I am not, you know, in a situation where I can't function, but I do have a lot of the symptoms regularly. You know, I, I get tired. I'm always overwhelmed. Uh, I have this other personal problem where saying no is very difficult. And uh, because I love to help people. I mean, I get more joy out of helping people. I happen to work in a business, IT, where helping people is, you know. And so I got a task list, and this is no exaggeration, of 147 items ranging from 15 minutes to five or six days that I have told people that I'll probably get done today. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to. Uh, it's, uh, you know, and that contributes. So, so some, some of my behaviors, because of depression, you know, kind of feed back into that. Um, I often have to go back and fight that, you know, the guilt and the shame. But one thing, one thing I well, realized and my wife reminded me of recently is that Jesus didn't just die for our sin. He died for our shame. He died for our shame. We no longer need to be ashamed. I'm not ashamed any longer that, I'm a dep- that I have issues with depression. There's no shame in that. He has taken the shame away. Oh, my. So... Uh, you know, I'll try to work in some more testimony here. I have um, been thinking on this and working on this for for weeks, and uh, oh man, there were some funny lines too. I just can't remember right now. Uh, but it is. Uh, I just want you to know that it's okay. Everybody goes through sadness and grief. And then oftentimes when you do that, your brain chemicals get out of balance. And one of those, so I try to eat a lot of chocolate and jalapenos because those <laughs> are supposed to help, right, with one or the other. Um, For you. Yes, uh, speaking of that, uh, one of my coworkers' wives she and I would talk all the time because her husband didn't talk. <laughs> so we would talk about him in front of him. <laughs> uh, but she knew I liked chocolate and spicy things. She was working at a chocolate company. So what did I have on my desk on my birthday one year? Full-size jalapenos double-dipped in chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, she used pickled ones and the vinegar kind of, uh, you know, didn't quite work with it. But, but you know, anyway, um, the, you know, a, a couple more things about my depression. One of the signs in depression for me, and for many men particularly, is anger. You don't think of, you know, think of that as something different, but that actually comes out of frustration and, and pain you get an angry outburst, and then guess what? Twist his back on you, and you, 
you get more depressed because you got angry. And, uh, you know, the devil plays with this thing, and it, it's, it, it feeds itself. Um, but I want you to know I'm not the only person who's ever suffered from depression. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the Bible that have suffered from depression. Uh, Judas. <laughs> Nobody has sympathy for poor Judas, right? Uh, I mean, come on. But, I mean, th there's depression. He committed suicide. Do you think Ju Judas could have received grace and salvation from Jesus? He could. He could have. You know, I mean, come on. I mean, um, but he didn't. You know, it says in Matthew 27, when Judas, who betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. They go, what is that to us? They replied, that's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. He went away and hung himself. <laughs> Jonah. Jonah was depressed. I call this the depression of not getting what you want. <laughs> I tell you, it, it's, it, it's got to be number one, right? You could also say it as hope denied, right? You had hope for something. Your heart set. You had hope, and then it's denied. You get something different. Jonah, <laughs> but to, you know, so we, we know the story. He's thrown overboard, fish, you know, three days, sight of Jesus, you know, up on land, preaches, repentance, you know, as a wannabe preacher, uh, you know, an entire city repenting, I think I'd be pretty happy about that, but not Jonah. No, because Jonah had his heart set on destroying these wicked people. As it shows in the Veggie Tales, they slapped each other with fishes. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> so he's angry. So God loves us. And sometimes he just has to chide us a little bit. So the guy's depressed. He's burning up in the sun, and, and God causes a vine to grow and give him shade. And he's sitting in the shade, and then a worm comes along and eats the thing, and the plant dies, and no more shade. And now Jonah is really angry and depressed. He goes, God's talking to him. He says, are you angry about the, the plant? He says, it is. I am so angry, I wish I were dead. You know? So depression can easily come from not getting our, our way. It, this one seems sillier than the other one. But I tell you, the end result isn't. All right? <clears throat> Elijah. Josh did a real good sermon on that recently about Elijah 
in his victory, right? Uh, <laughs> this guy's victory was incredible, right? Hey, are they sleeping? You know? Yeah. Well, hey, 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 more water. Put more water in. No, 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 no. More water. More water. Lord, burn this up. And but some some lady goes, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> That's why he was so scared. <laughs> I got guns in Texas. Yeah. But uh anyway, he runs off, right? He runs off. He sits under a tree. There is some, there is something about sitting under a tree in depression. I'm thinking there's a theme there. But he sits under a tree and he says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. This is after the great victory. Maybe the greatest victory in the Old Testament. I mean, this was incredible. And He's under a tree. Kill me. Depression. Your victories. What I see here, I call this the exhaustion depression. You cannot, I've learned that I have to protect myself against exhaustion. I have to protect myself about being um, too tired, too hungry too lonely, too bored. Because if you're in those positions, it's easy to be attacked. And here he is, exhausted. But God gives him rest and feeds him. And then gives him more rest and feeds him again. And then shows him things. And then prepares for him the rest of his journey. Right? He sends him out brings Elisha in, who's another absolutely mighty man of God, right, to take over his mantle. And then he pulls him up. He loved him so much that he took him up in a chariot of fire. <laughs> but Elijah suffered from depression. Other people, Moses, the big Mo, right? In Exodus 32, he talks about, you know, um, where, where God is so angry with the people, and he's so depressed. He says, take me, you know. David, um, I, I, I found this link here that um, I really enjoy. It matches up his psalms with different places in his life, and I'll try to get that uh, link for you. But it, it's really neat. You know, so he's being chased by, chased away by, by Saul, and he's depressed, right? I would be depressed too. You know, you're serving in this guy's house. You know, it's bad enough when the boss doesn't give you a raise, but when the boss says, throws a sword at you, uh, because you did a good job, just think if you didn't count something right, right? He, he throws a sword at him. He has to run for his life. He's depressed. He, he writes a psalm. His, kid, his son dies. He's depressed. He writes a song. He sins, and he's guilty, and he writes a psalm. And you see his soul in all of this and how 
how he suffers through depression. Job, I, I really wanted to, we're, we're, we're doing the chronological Bible this year, the wife and I, and I was thinking about just playing the whole book for you. <laughs> um, here's the quick summary. Job, great guy. God says, look how great guy this is. Devil, smack. Job, <laughs> Buddies from the church. <laughs> uh, well, we know you're a sinner. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, how can you say that? You know. And then reconciliation. You know, reconciliation with God, and then restoration here. Now. I believe that God restores us and gives us good gifts here. I don't know that it always happens. I mean, I've discovered, I had a birthday just this last week. I am now 64. I'm in my last year of tweeners. You know, a tween is somebody between 10 and 13 when they become a, te a teenager, right? A tweener is some, somebody between old people, like 60-year-olds, and senior citizens. <laughs> I, that wasn't intentional. <laughs> uh, so, so it's the last year of tweeners, uh, but uh, I'm getting older, and there's things I can't do anymore. There's things I don't want to do anymore. And there's less time to do it, you know? So you get older and things happen. Um, and then there's Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Lamentations. That isn't about nice little lambs running around. That's about, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. You know, lamentations. There's a lot of pain that he's dealing with, and depression. Some other folks. Paul. So Paul, was Paul depressed? I don't know. I've never really read anything that ever said he was. Now, I don't know if I've ever read about anybody who I think had more reason to be depressed than Paul. I mean, you go through his dissertation about all the things. That one where he got shipwrecked, was on the ocean all day, and then he goes, he, he helps rescue all the people. He goes, he builds a fire, and he gets bit by a poisonous snake. Now, that's a bad day. <laughs> that guy had a right to be depressed, but he shook it off. He shook it off. He's in a prison being beaten, and he's having a prayer meeting. He's like, he's like our youth up here, you know, <laughs> without instrumentation, singing the latest praise hits so much that the whole thing shakes, right? So the thing about Paul is I look to him is this one thing specially. He had a purpose. He knew his purpose, and that allowed him to get through these things in his life. Now, I don't know. <laughs> one thing I've learned about the Bible over the years because it's not there doesn't mean it wasn't it didn't happen. 
you know, at the end of John, it says, I suppose if everything that he did was written down, there wouldn't be enough book space in the entire world to record it. Okay, so, but I can see how he's overcome those things. And this one's really hard for me because I still have to fight feeling that depression is like a, like sin. But Jesus in Gethsemane, his soul was anguished. I'm pretty sure that that means he was unhappy. I think that means, I mean, I've had some bad nights, but I've never sweat drops of blood. He's anguished of his soul. He's anguished. Yet, he said, your will, not mine. I'm going to fulfill that. So even Jesus, who is 100% man and 100% God, dealt with these negative emotions that will overwhelm us from time to time. So what do I want to offer three things? Hope. You know, and you know, I think any of us that went through a lot of the church when they were young, you know, had to memorize First Corinthians it's chapter thirteen. And I remember the last verse pretty well. <laughs> the rest of it's I can look up. Uh, <laughs> you know, but the last verse is and these three things remain, hope, uh, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Guess what? I think you can't have faith without hope. Because what is faith? It is the substance of things that are hoped for. And love is hope fulfilled. So without hope, it's impossible. You need hope. God offers us hope. As Christians, when we see somebody who is sad, whether they're clinically depressed or not, we can offer them hope. We can offer them hope. We can also say to ourselves, why so downcast my soul, right? And look to him for hope. <laughs> so there's a number of verses here. Um, I love this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again <clears throat> to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Paul talks about that if we didn't have hope, we would, you know, we're the worst people in the world. If we, if we didn't have the resurrection, if we didn't have hope of the resurrection, hope is critical to overcoming purpose. Now, I believe that every one of us has a specific personal purpose. I don't always know what mine is. I, sometimes I think I do, but I don't always know. But, you know, fortunately, there's three purposes that are given to all of us. One, the great commandment, to love. 
this one is another thing that's been going through my mind over and over and over. And I've been going, Lord, how do I love those people I don't like? Sounds silly. But there's people I don't like. I'm not going to mention any names. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Present company accepted, of course. Uh, But um, there's, it's hard. And then I think, you know, it says, love your family. Who makes you mad the most? Your family. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, love your brothers and sisters. Second on the list. You know, we're supposed to love the stranger. And then, just in case he missed something, love your enemy. All right? So, the great commandment is a purpose that we have. We have to learn to love the unlovable. We have to learn to love those that don't love us. And we have to love those that do. (laughs) So, here's the purpose. Love. (laughs) The second purpose is um, the Great Commission. Go, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. There's a commission. Does God need us? Eh, I don't think so. Does God want us? Does God have a purpose for us? Yes. Hey, come on. Balaam is off doing bad you know, stuff, and he sends a donkey. <laughs> a donkey. I use the other name, but I'm in church. Uh, <laughs> and he sends that donkey to talk to him, right? You know, he could call the rocks to praise him. He could, ha- you know, he could have um, a dog talk to us, a squirrel. He doesn't. Nature itself. I walk outside and I go, oh, my God. I look at that and I see God and, and, and what he's done. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. So those of you who are parents probably get this. You don't really need your kid. <laughs> my I won't mention my only son over here in his lawnmower when he was young. He had a, he had a plastic lawnmower, and that thing mowed everything in the neighborhood. And it just went everywhere. Did I need him to push that plastic lawnmower around? No. Did I enjoy it? Yes. But with God, it's even one thing more than that. He wants us to. He gives us real work to do. It's not phony stuff. He calls us to reach out, and we make an impact. What we do impacts other people. And finally, the third purpose that I believe he gives us, all of us, is to know him. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the Infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage. Gotta love the King James. It's all dung. That's Texas for poop, you know. 
It's valueless, you know, compared to the gain of knowing him. We have purpose. If we don't know our individual purpose at the moment, we have purpose. Love. Tell other people about it and know him. And finally, joy. And I've always said, joy cometh in the morning. Except this one. She came like 6 o'clock at night. <laughs> it was the morning somewhere, though. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, when they, when clinically, when you talk about depression, it's always about happiness, right? And I'll go back to that Ohio State football game for you football guys. Uh, and, and for those that aren't football guys, you probably heard it from your football guys that talk to you. Uh, so here they are. The whole game's going. They're winning the whole game. One minute left. That stinking bulldogs get up one point. But don't worry. They march down the field. They get to the, you know, where it's a 50-yard field goal that this guy never misses. He missed. Happy, 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 happy. <laughs> Happiness is a fleeting thing. It's a temporary. It's totally circumstantial. Joy is eternal. All right? It has very little to do with football. Uh, <laughs> but people do find joy from, 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 do, you know, from participating. But it says, joy asks us to find a... Uh, a verse of the year, and here's mine. Um, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endureth such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So I got a bunch of Bible verses here, and I tried to make a slideshow so they would go like all kinds of fancy stuff, but I, I'm kind of out of PowerPoint practice. Uh, <laughs> so the, the Bible's full of things to encourage you, but I push out to you is don't assume somebody else's emotional state. You may not know their emotional state, but be open for the clues. I mean, one of the things that happened recently, my wife and I like to watch So You Think You Could Dance. Okay, I can do that. I like football too, all right. Uh, but we like, we like this show, and one of the main guys in it is Twitch, incredible dancer and stuff, and about a month or two ago, he killed himself. And you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not possible. You know, we don't know what people are dealing with we don't know. We need to keep our ears open. We need to pray for one another. And when we do get invited in to see that, we have to encourage them. Like that guy said, maybe you ain't to go with them somewhere. You pick them up and you take, you know, if it's at that point, you pick them up and you take them to the hospital. You call the police and have them take them to the hospital. You intervene with them. You commune with them. Hopefully they're nowhere at that. 
But when you are invited into that where you can see it, help them, right? Um, and then for those of you who are dealing with depression, you know, it's not always the end of the world depression, but it's just a feeling of there is hope. You have a purpose, and you can have joy. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. It's a good word. It's a heavy word. It's a word that we need to hear because uh, we live in a fallen world, and this is something that we see happening, especially since post-COVID. But I believe that, that post-COVID is getting turned into pre-revival, and so we need to be the carriers of that joy to a world that needs it. And that means even in the church, right? All right, why don't you guys stand to your feet? I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to come up, and he's going to bless us out of here. If you do need any prayer, we'll hang out for a while. We'll be praying. Um, but I want to make sure that we, we have a, a chance to receive the food. Father, we just thank you, God. God, your word says that you have given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And, Lord, we see, God, you have blessed us in so many different avenues. And God, I thank you that even in our day and our age that you have blessed us with such incredible, God, medical professionals to walk us through, God, some of the journeys that we need to walk through. God, I thank you for the transparency that Frank shared today. Lord, we thank you that, God, that, that we uh, can have hope in Christ. Lord, we thank you that, Father, that you paid for us, God, to have hope Lord, we thank you that you are the blessed hope, Lord, and we thank you, Father, for all that you're going to do, God, through this church, through each and every one of our lives, and God, I pray that, Father, if this message resonates with anyone, Lord, let there be, God, uh, uh, God, just the ability to take steps forward, God, and uh, Lord, or if maybe we have family who maybe just sharing some of these uh, uh symptoms and things we, we can diagnose kind of in our own thoughts as maybe this is something they're dealing with where we could come alongside them as, as Frank shared. And Lord, we just want to be, God, we want to be available. Lord, available for, for us to be healed or available for us being an, an agent of mercy to help someone else to be healed, God. So Lord, we thank you for all of that in Jesus' name. And I'm going to pray the ironic blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you, and may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.